We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ripple Bagel and Deli is the home of Indy's original steamed bagel sandwich. It's located in the heart of Broad Ripple, and they're family-owned and operated, proudly serving their customers for over 20 years. They pride themselves on quick, casual dining with over 100 different steamed bagel sandwich options. It truly is a staple in Indianapolis, and a can't-miss breakfast and lunch spot. Ripple Bagel and Deli offers a great friends and family atmosphere where you're always welcome to dine in and be a part of the family or feel free to bypass any way by conveniently ordering and paying for carryout ahead of time at RippleBagelDeli.com. Ripple Bagel and Deli also offers best-in-class catering anytime, anywhere, with a long list of customers ranging anywhere from law firms to drug reps to several different sports-related clients, including Butler, IUPUI, the Indianapolis Colts, and several visiting NFL teams. They pride themselves on their ability to satisfy all of your catering needs, no matter the occasion or event, and will customize your order, provide competitive pricing, and always deliver on time. Ripple Bagel Deli, the home of Indy's original steamed bagel sandwich. Hey Pacer fans, Alex Golden here. I wanted to let you know about my new blog, The Blue and Golden. If you enjoy reading articles about the Pacers, then subscribe to my Substack, which is 100% free. You can find the blog at the Blue and Golden substack.com or you can follow the link in the description of this podcast if you enjoy what you're reading on the blue and golden please share the blog with your family and friends thanks for your support of not only this podcast but my written work that can only be found on the blue and golden substack.com now let's get back to the show we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. 
Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. to another episode of setting the pace your go-to pacers podcast we are joined today by bryson wright host of the next gen podcast for bluff city media bryson how are you i'm doing great man awesome to be on here uh obviously not a pacers fan but i do love watching the pacers on league pass they've been like one of my favorite league pass teams to watch this year uh so yeah glad to be on today man we can definitely live with that the pacers have been very entertaining i remember there was a Pretty cool tweet out a while ago that's like, hey, the Pacers are, you know, they might not be your favorite league pass team, but when you're playing them, that's who you want to watch because it's just us and whoever we're playing is going to be a very entertaining game. It's always going to be a high score game, but not tonight. Bryson, the Memphis Grizzlies, they handle business. They actually hold the Pacers to the fewest points they've scored all year, 103 points. Pacers have not won a game scoring less than 120. Before we get into the game, I want to hear a little bit about Memphis overall from you because a lot of our listeners don't get to hear about the Grizzlies much. There's Memphis pre-Jaw this year and Memphis post-Jaw. Take me to pre-Jaw Morant. Well, yeah, pre-Jaw Morant, I mean, obviously, you look at the record, they got themselves in a really deep hole. Uh, their offense without Ja was the worst offense in the NBA. Yes, worse than the Pistons. Ooh, they were thirty, yeah, thirtieth in the NBA, man. So their offense without Ja and full disclosure is not just without Ja. It's no Ja. Smart has been out. Luke Kennard has been out. Stephen Adams and Brandon Clark are out for the season. So it's like just those five. Like there are some NBA teams that would love to have that as their starting five right now. And I'm like. Dang, when, especially if you include Ja missing those twenty-five games, so it's like you have like a true NBA starting five that is on the that is on the bench and not playing those first twenty-five. Uh, obviously, Marcus Smart and Luke Kennard did play a few of those games, but they only played. I think Luke Kennard's only played like two games, two or three games this season, and then Marcus Smart I think got hurt in the eighth or ninth game of the season. So like a lot of the time they've been down a lot of guys and. They're always going to be a good defensive team, as you saw tonight, and they still have been like top 15, borderline top 10 on defense through this time, but they just haven't had the scoring to back that up on the other end. And because there's been a lot of these games where they've actually been pretty close, uh, but they just didn't have something to get them over the hump. And then I think adding Ja, um, it, it helps Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. a lot because they're not seeing the same level of defensive coverage as they were. And I, it just opens everything up because there's a lot of teams that can't guard 
guard, you know, Ja one-on-one. And now it's to the point to where there's a lot of teams that can't guard Jaron one-on-one either. And then when you add in Bain shooting threes like he was tonight, it, it can be really hard to stop it when all three of those guys are in the lineup. No matter what stats you looked at about the Memphis Grizzlies before this game, it didn't tell the full story because this is definitely a different team with John Morant. They had the momentum, 2-0. and I mean, obviously, everybody saw he hits the game winner's first game back. Really cool to see. I mean, that's like everything he could have probably hoped for more. And now, obviously, when they return home to Memphis, I, the Grizzlies handled business. I thought, to your point, yeah, they can't just guard Ja one-on-one. I mean, in this scenario... The Grizzlies had three players scoring 20 or more. I actually heard it's only the sixth time that Jaron Jackson, John Moran, and Desmond Bain have all scored 20 in a game. But to no surprise, Bryson, the Grizzlies are 6-0 and in those games. So tell me a little bit about the defense, though, because the defense tonight looked good. Obviously, I mentioned they held Indiana to the fewest points they've scored all year and just 41% for the field for a Pacers team that leads the NBA in field goal percentage. Yeah, for sure. I think one of the guys I always look at on defense, I mean, obviously you have Jaron, who's a former defensive player of the year in the paint, but really it felt like tonight it was Vince Williams. Like Vince Williams Jr. has been awesome for the Grizzlies. He's on a two-way contract. Uh, kind of one of those things where all these injuries, this is like, obviously you wish you had these guys back, but it's almost like it's given him an opportunity to really show what he can do. And I think he did it a great job and I think he did a good job on him uh so I think Vince Williams Jr. is one of the people that I'll point to as you know just doing a lot on defense you know tonight he had three steals and a block as well so it's showing up in the stat sheet uh and he had the second highest plus minus on the team or third highest plus minus on the team behind John Santi Aldama so you just see the impact he has on the court And the Grizzlies had struggled, I mean, you know, once Marcus Smart went out to find somebody who could really be like a true defensive stopper out there. And I think them, you know, finding Vince and him actually playing well these last couple games, I mean, they're probably going to have to convert his contract at this point. uh, Because even when they do have these guys back, I think he would still be a really good bench piece for them. Uh, But yeah, with Biombo and Jaron both being in the paint, it gets really hard for teams to score on the interior even if they're not getting blocks it's like every everything at the rim is always contested with those two uh so that, that that's been big for them and then I also think it's part like Ja Desmond Bain they've been buying in more on the defensive end uh these well you know Ja these last two nights uh and then Bain the whole season has been you know playing a much higher level of defense so uh Taylor Jenkins has always had pretty good defensive teams even though there are some people that have issues with them but his 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 teams are always really good on defense, and that's been proven this year too. Yeah, I mean, Jaron Jackson had 14 points in the first quarter. I was really worried about that. But then the Pacers held just seven points the rest of the game. But then I felt like each Grizzly kind of had their moments. Desmond Bain had 13 points in the third, really when the Grizzlies needed him, when Indiana was really testing them. Because in this game, this was like a tale of two different games for a bit. The Grizzlies went up as much as 23 points. Indiana comes roaring back, cuts it to two at the halftime. I thought it was like, wow, we got a game on our hands. But Memphis, you talk about that defense. They played it tonight. They held Indiana 22 points in the first quarter. When Indiana went on to run the second quarter, scoring 34, it was Memphis that responded after the break, holding the Pacers to 21 points. I mean, that's got to be roughly the fewest points the Pacers have scored in a quarter this year, this is a team that 
leads the NBA in scoring. So, like I said, Memphis really brought it tonight. But when, when I'm when I'm looking at this team and you talk about defense for Memphis, I think a big part of the reason was Indiana gets up 52 three-pointers in this game. But, Bryson, they only made 18 of them. I mean, talk about the perimeter defense for Memphis tonight because it, it looked like they played really good perimeter D. And Indiana didn't really play any of it, letting Memphis shoot 46% from three. Yeah, no, and coming into this game, that was actually one of my biggest, like, worries, you know, for the Pacers because of how fast they play. The Grizzlies have had some games this year. Like, they had a game earlier this year where they played the Lakers, and I think the Lakers make the most threes that they've ever made in the history of the Lakers. Oh. And it's like they've had some really good teams, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that it, they have had some issues on the perimeter, but – but these last couple of weeks, it kind of feels like, you know, when they added a few new pieces and stuff like that, uh, guys kind of learning how to play with each other and getting better and really buying into like the defensive scheme. And I think that they're just doing a lot better when it comes to closing out on those shooters and harder closeouts than they were doing earlier in the season. And like, it, it's, it's not just an effort thing, but it feels like the last probably two, three weeks, they've just been playing at like a different level. It's almost like just knowing they, they like they could see the light at the end of the tunnel with Ja coming back and, you know, hopefully Marcus Smart, Luke Kennard, and those guys getting back too. And it feels like that's kind of revitalized the team, especially defensively. Uh, but yeah, like you said, I mean, the Pacers still made 18 threes, but I mean, it's just because they shot so many, you know what I mean? Uh, most teams making 18 threes is a good night, but I just feel like, uh, like I said, with Jaron and Biombo in on the interior, a lot of teams are going to want to play more, you know, perimeter basketball. And tonight, the Grizzlies did a good job of closing out on those shooters. And even though they did have that barrage in the second quarter, really like from the second quarter and then a little bit into the beginning of the third quarter, it really felt like they couldn't miss from three. Uh, so like you said, like a tale of two games, it was like they went, they were cold at the beginning, then they got really hot then they kind of got cold again. Uh, but yeah, I, I think they they've done, they've gotten a lot better when it comes to defense uh, on the perimeter these last couple of weeks. And I think part of it is, like I said, adding Vince Williams Jr. has helped them a lot too. And Vince Williams Jr. was definitely a name that, you know, I had heard the name. I had not seen him play, and I, I was impressed tonight. So I think that Memphis did have certain players step up. But, yeah, for Indiana, just 52 threes attempted. It's far too many. But Memphis did, you don't want to call them the little things, but 10 more free throws attempted. They had 16 more points in the paint. I just felt they played a far more rounded game because you know, Indiana had a run. It was in the second quarter. They shot 67% in that second quarter, but they were not able to be anywhere near of a threat after that quarter. And I just felt that Memphis really, when they got hit in the mouth, they responded and they never really had the Pacers threatening past. It was 86 to 77, you know, after the third, I feel like that was just about as close as Indiana was within striking distance. But a couple of things in this game, I mean, you didn't get the best performance from Tyrese Halliburton. I think, for someone such as yourself, you know, I, you know, you're probably not watching too many Pacer games, but for Halliburton, I would imagine you probably expected more. But the crazy thing is, maybe Pacer fans, they're just a little uh, greedy because he still does give you 17 points and 14 assists, but the shooting percentage just two of 12 from three point land. What were your thoughts on Halliburton's play tonight? Yeah, I, I understand y'all were on the second night of a back to back too, we so were. that could have been mm -hmm. part of it. Uh, 
But, yeah, I mean, I love watching Halliburton play. I think tonight he just struggled. I feel like he might have settled for the three a little bit too I, much. I, I mean, obviously so. he took – yeah, he took 12 threes. And it's it's one thing to take those 12 threes when you're hitting them. But, you know, when you're two for 12, it's like, hey, you maybe try something else, try mm-hmm. to get to a midi, get to the rim, stuff like that. Uh, but, but, I mean, watching him pass the ball is one of my favorite things to watch because Agreed. even though he didn't really score, like, yeah, like there were a couple times where when he throws the pass, you're like, where is he even throwing that? And then it's just like, oh, it's an assist. Okay. And it's like there are so many of those plays where it's like when he throws the pass, you're like, oh, is that a turnover? And then it's like, oh, no, uh, it's a wide open three, actually. So those plays were really cool to see from him. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, obviously with Ja and Halliburton, it it was one of those things where I kind of expected them to kind of both go off. But then it feels like neither of them really did exactly what people would expect. But I do agree with that because I I feel the same way with Grizzlies fans when it comes to Ja. I think people do get a little bit spoiled with all the stuff he can do. Uh, And I think Halliburton is is the same way. Uh, So, yeah, I I, I don't expect him. I know. But I don't expect him – I don't expect that to last too long. I mean, I think he is one of the better players in the NBA, and I think he's proven that this year for sure. Yeah, Halliburton banged his knee up uh, about a week ago at this point. I don't think mm-hmm. he's fully been the same. He did miss a game, but I think that he will be fine. Also in this matchup, Buddy Heald really struggles in the field. He was 5 of 14, but another guy was 5 of 13 from three. So you're talking about Halliburton and Buddy going 7 of 25 from three-point land. I mean, that's just – it's going to be hard to take teams down when, when you're shooting, you know, that percentage. But I think the one guy that played really well for Indiana, that unfortunately it's going to be lost in the shuffle tonight of a loss, was Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin had 22 points. It was on 8 of 14 shooting, 5 of 9 from three. He was a plus 9 in a game that you lose by 13 – I mean, Obi has not been delivering these type of performances too often. And what were your what were your thoughts on Obi tonight? Well, yeah, no, I thought played really well down the three ball. I mean, that changes the way you have to guard him. But I love watching him on the fast break too. I think like he had a couple times where you know he took off almost. It seems like he takes off before uh, the shot even leaves the shooter's hands. It's like what is going. Going on, he's already catching a lob on the other end. Uh, but that, that's the kind of stuff I usually expect from him. Uh, but tonight, I think it was really that three ball that really uh, changed everything. And I thought he had some good activity on defense as well. Uh, so, yeah, I, I thought that Obi Toppin uh, played a great game. I feel like he's one of those guys that I know more as, you know, somebody I'll see on highlight reels when it comes to dunks. And then tonight, I think he had one or two, but it was really the three ball. He was knocking those down. So if he can continue to knock those down, I think he'll be a really good player. Uh, but, yeah, him and then Aaron Neesmith, I think both of them really stood out to me in terms of watching the Pacers and the two guys that I thought really played the best games for y'all. Neesmith has really been the X factor for this team, and I think that he's asked to do a lot. I mean, at, at six foot five, really, I mean, a, a lot of time they got him playing the four. I think he's playing out of position, but he's that guy that is bringing the defense and intensity on a night where not many other Pacers are playing defense. I mean, Neesmith got whistled for a technical tonight that I didn't quite agree with, but I, I think that, uh, you know, the referees sometimes they want to make sure things don't get carried away. But yeah, he's, he's always going to play hard. Uh, I thought that. Ben Matherin struggled tonight, which was unfortunate because he's been a little bit hot and cold two games ago, 34 points tonight, really didn't have it going from the field. But 
Your point on Obi, I completely agree because he mentioned he's known for those highlight dunks, but he is trying to show that he's more than just a dunker, but that is obviously what separates himself from the pack because he is able to kind of soar through the air, do that. But tonight, yes, it was from the three-point land. But a player that you know didn't really get to show much tonight, his first game back in a, in a while, was Andrew Nemhard, who's one of the better defenders for this Pacers team. Nemhard was looked at as someone coming into this year as someone who could explode onto the scene as our sixth man last year started a lot. You know, he had been out for about two weeks. Uh, didn't get to do too much, but, I mean, what's your thoughts on Andrew Nemhard around the league, someone who missed all-rookie first team last year by just one vote? Yeah, no, actually, second team, sorry. Yeah, no, Andrew Nimhard was actually one of the dudes that during the draft, I was really high on him, and actually the Grizzlies trying to draft him, especially last season, because they're, you know, what weren't really sure on what Tyus Jones was going to do at that point, and, and thought that that could have been a good, like, backup point guard. They ended up taking Kennedy Chandler uh, because Nimhard didn't fall far enough, but he was really high on my list because I... I'm a big proponent of those four-year college guys actually getting a lot more love than they usually do in the draft because I feel like uh, for him, you know, playing at Gonzaga for all those years, I think he really uh, – he learned how to play the right way more than, you know, an 18- or 19-year-old going into the NBA well after only one season in college. And, you know, playing at Gonzaga and everything like that, I mean, it's one of the best programs in the country, great coaching and everything like that. And I think it really helped him in his game. I mean, and I, I really like him. I know that he's had some injuries and stuff, like you said, and hasn't been able to play a ton this year. But I, I really do enjoy the way he plays. And I think he has a chance, especially as a backup point guard, uh, you know, with him and also TJ McConnell. You know, that's a pretty good uh, three-headed snake when it comes to having, you know, three solid point guards on the team for sure. It really is. But to an extent, now you, you got three good point guards. So good problem to have, but hard to get them all playing time. So in this situation, I mean, we hear there's rumors about there are teams that have interest in TJ McConnell. I think on a night like tonight, he only plays four minutes because Andrew Nemhard is back. And obviously you have Tyrese Halliburton. But the importance of a veteran point guard on your team. I mean, Memphis, they added Derrick Rose. Obviously, Rose didn't play tonight, but that doesn't mean that he didn't he doesn't contribute to this team because having a veteran like Derrick Rose can go a long way. That's how the Pacers feel about having a veteran like TJ McConnell. So if you are the Pacers, even if McConnell isn't playing much, can you just talk about how valuable that type of veteran is to a young team? Well, yeah, and I think one of the reasons why the Grizzlies went out and did that and added Marcus Smart and added Derrick Rose is not just for the on-the-court stuff, it's for the off-the-court stuff. Uh, and I think when you have a young team like the Pacers do, you have to have a dude that's kind of been around. You know what I mean? Who's been on different teams, knows the way that things work in the NBA on a higher level than, you know, a lot of these young players will know because they've never done it before. Uh, so I I mean, I think just having a veteran guy just in the locker room, uh, for one, you know, to give advice to young players and especially, uh, well, for on the Grizzlies side, when you have a guy like Derrick Rose who has been an MVP and stuff like that, it just adds to it. But even for TJ McConnell, even though he might not be that same player, he still has a lot of those same experiences. Uh, he's played on good teams. He's played on bad teams. He's been through 
a lot of different situations. And I think just having that experience and somebody to talk to is huge. And I think when you look at, uh, you know, the way that the Pacers have, you know, started to turn it around and everything with a really young team, I think having a veteran presence like that has been big for them. And I, I would say that every every NBA team uh, needs to have at least one guy like, like that who's been around. And I, I think that it, it, it's it's good for the young players just to have somebody to talk to who's been through everything that they are aspiring to do. Completely agree. The Pacers recently just added James Johnson back to the team. He had an open roster spot after waving Daniel Tice. James Johnson was one of the most praised veterans that the Pacers had last year. So I, I think that they realized they're probably lacking a little something, something. And, you know, James Johnson's role is not to play a lot or really to play kind of at all. It's just to be that pro in the locker room that, just like you mentioned, every team needs. But I want to get your opinion on one player. The Pacers went out and they threw, you could say the bag at Bruce Brown. It was two years, $45 million. They outbid what any team could really offer him. Most teams were looking at the mid-level exception over about four years for Bruce Brown. But I just feel that he has not been able to provide the Pacers the defensive impact they were looking for. And you know what? Maybe, maybe they were looking for him to take a, a bit of a step forward offensively when you are making him the highest paid player on the team. What are your thoughts on what Bruce Brown was capable of delivering the Pacers this season, being just kind of, you know, a good role player on a championship team rather than being, you know, someone who's looked to take like a step towards being an all-star or anything like that? Yeah, for sure. I think Bruce Brown is one of those guys who he can fit on any team. Mm -hmm, he, uh, you know, yeah, he he's not going to play outside of his role. He's going to take the shots he needs to take when he's open and everything like that. And I think that's why he was so good with the Nuggets. Like when you have a guy like Jokic and you have Jamal Murray and, you know, he Jokic, great passer. I think, you know, Tyrese Halliburton, great passer as well. So I yeah, I don't think he's a guy that you expect to take like another step at, at this point. I think that he's a guy that you have to let him know like, hey, your role is you're going to play defense, you're going to take open shots, and then you're going to attack when you have your chances. You know what I mean? So I still think that he can be good for this uh, Pacers team. I know that he hasn't shot the ball as well as people are probably hoping, but Shooting is one of those things where I feel like it comes back around eventually. And, you know, he, he's a guy that I think is going to be a higher level shooter than he has been this season. So uh, just the way that he played on that Nuggets team, it really felt like he was one of those glue pieces to that uh, to that team. And I think he can be that same level of player, especially if he's a guy that you want to keep around while the Pacers are developing and stuff like that. And even though he he might not be a veteran in the sense of James Johnson and, and all those guys, you know, this is still a dude that's been in the league for almost six years now so he's been around as well so I think you know, I'm all for having you know those kind of veteran guys who know their role and everything like that uh and I, I still think he could be very good for y'all this year always helps to have a champion in the locker room especially on a team where many players have never been to the playoffs before but for Bruce Brown I do think fans expected a bit more in a game like tonight he plays 28 minutes he's a minus six which was the lowest out of any of the starters just four points on one of four shooting 
um, you know, four fouls. I, I think that he's probably looked at as, you know, one man can't turn around a defense, to, uh, you know, one man can't turn around a defense overall like this. The Pacers are towards the bottom in pretty much every defensive category. So I think that's why fans are getting a bit frustrated with Bruce Brown you know, as they hope for a bit more, but it is just a two year deal with a team option. So, you know, I do think there are many teams, like you mentioned, Bruce Brown fits any team. So we'll see what could happen if it doesn't work out in Indiana, but he has started every game for the Pacers and has stepped up when Tyrese Halliburton has not been there, but Overall, I mean, you didn't get to see one of those high-scoring Pacer games like previously where the Pacers just topped 140 points the last game against Charlotte. But overall, moving forward, rest of season, what are your expectations for the Indiana Pacers? Can they be a playoff team, or do you see them more as a play-in team? So I go either way with this team. I, I would say I could see them being probably like five or six, definitely. But it just feels like they've they've kind of just been up and down, you know, they so have. far this year. You know, it's it's early in the season, so there's still there's still so many games left. Uh, but but I feel like if they they're one of those like big they're one of those teams I feel like they could go on one of those big win streaks, you know, in probably January, February, and kind of take that step because they've started to play together a lot. But when you look at the Eastern Conference, I mean, even though they are sitting in the play-in right now, I'm pretty sure, uh, when it goes from, like, I think, like, four to ten is only, like, four games difference right now. And it's it's so close in the East right now. So I could definitely see them getting as high as probably four. I wouldn't expect them to break into that top three with the Celtics, Bucks and Sixers, I think those three, uh, barring injury, are probably going to be the top three in the East. But I could easily see them getting all the way up to four. But I mean, I could also see them being a playing team. And I think that's kind of, it's kind of like the beauty of where the NBA is right now. There's a lot of teams that, uh, it's, there's a lot of teams that are capable of being playoff teams. And I think the play in has just made it even better. Uh, so when you like when you look at this, I think there's at least eight teams, nine teams in the East that could definitely be in the playoffs. Uh, but, you know, obviously there's only eight spots. But I think the Pacers, when you look at uh, the people in front of them, I think they could be better than the Cavs. I think they'll, they could end up being better than the Heat, honestly, like and the Knicks. So I think those are all three teams that they could end up passing up. But like I said, I feel like it could go either way. But if I had to pick, I'm going to say – I'll say that I think they'll make the playoffs. I think they'll be five or six. I would love to – I would. I think every single Pacer fan would be thrilled if they were a top six seed. That could be sixth. You know, they would love to avoid the play-in. But to your point before, the play-in has been awesome for the NBA because it keeps more than just really eight or nine teams in it. It feels like Definitely. it really has roughly like 12 teams in any conference – could usually be within striking distance of, you know, the 10th spot or anything of that sort. So right now, when you look at the standings, Cleveland sits in seventh, just ahead of Indiana. But Cleveland, they're a team that is very banged up right now. Evan Mobley, Darius Garland, uh, they're they're really hurt. So we'll see what happens with them. Indiana starting to get healthy at the right time. Just got back Jalen Smith. He did not play tonight against Memphis, but that's because it was a back-to-back. Like I mentioned, mm -hmm. they just got back Andrew Nemhard. So I do think that Indiana could go on a run, similar to what you mentioned. But overall, it would be a big disappointment to not at least make the play-in. But I think Pacer Definitely. fans would be thrilled 
with just a six spot, you know, making making the plan, but obviously making the overall playoffs. They don't want to just mm-hmm. get bounced in that first round of the plan. But tell me about Memphis now. Before we wrap up, give me a little bit of a prediction of how Memphis can finish the season. Obviously a tough start to it, but 2-0 and with John Morant has to have you feeling with the most confidence you've had all season. Oh, yeah, definitely. And one thing on the Pacers I will say, y'all do have some solid uh, experience when it comes to tournaments, so maybe the play-in wouldn't be too bad for y'all, too. Uh, But I will say, I mean, at this point, the goal is to just make make it into the play-in game. Uh, Now, I will say, I can't say 100%, just because of how far back they've fallen, it's going to be hard for them to make it, but I can guarantee that as as long as, you know, they stay healthy and when these guys get back, even if they don't make it, they're going to be within striking distance going down the stretch and they're going to make it they're going to make it tough on the other teams in the west. They're not just going to roll over. And even if they don't make the play in, I think that they're a team that can play spoiler in those last few games of the season, mess it up a little bit, but I think that they could definitely be a play in team especially if they play the way they've played uh, these last two games with John Morant. Uh, obviously just having him out there gives you a chance in any game, uh, even if you do have other injuries. And I will say this, uh, if the Grizzlies do make the play and it end up being like a, end up being the seven or eight seed, if I'm one of the top teams in the West, that's not the team I want to see in the first round. I agree uh, with that. Kinda, like, I, now I'm not going to say it's the same as the Lakers last year, because obviously they have LeBron James it's a little bit different, but I think it will be a similar feeling that I had last year going into the first round saying, oh, great, we got the two seed. We got to play LeBron and AD in the first round, right? Nobody wants to get the two seed, and then you have to play John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Desmond Bain, uh, Adam Marcus Smart. Like, those four guys specifically uh, have, you know, been on playoff teams that have made uh, runs before, or even if they didn't make runs, you know, given the the teams that made runs a run for their money, like they gave the Warriors a run for their money with those guys. Uh, and if Ja doesn't get hurt, maybe that series goes differently. And that Warriors team won the championship that year, so sure. they have a pedigree of when they get there, it's gonna they're, they're not gonna be an easy out. No, uh, especially they if definitely. they're healthy. I think so. If, if I'm a top team in the West. That's the that's the team I, I'm like I I don't want to play them in the first round because even if you win you might win but you're gonna come out with some bumps and bruises because they're gonna play physical they're gonna play defense um, and it's it's gonna be a six or seven game series no doubt about it I think if you're Memphis you just gotta get in even if it is the ten spot because right now the West is is a uh, weird looking place I mean you got Memphis sitting third to last. There's six games back of the 10th spot, which it does sound like a lot, but there's obviously a lot of the season left to play. But you got the Warriors sitting in the 11th spot. I mean, how crazy is I mean, you could call it crazy, but they've been a, a lackadaisical, uh, you know, slow-moving regular season team. But you imagine they find a way to get into the top 10. You got Phoenix right now in the 10th spot. A, a team that has you know championship aspirations by far, and then you got you got Houston at nine, a team that's come a long way, big spenders in free agency. The Lakers at eighth. But before I go through all this, because we're going to do that, tell me about the top of the West right now. Are you buying Minnesota, OKC being the top two seeds, and could they hold on to that? 
So I think that they could definitely. I, I would say I, I think Oklahoma City might be a little bit too young still, but I think they're one of those teams that they could hold on to it. They honestly really remind me of the Grizzlies a couple years I ago. I like that comparison. Uh, I agree. You know what I mean? Yeah, yep. where they kind of came out on fire. Uh, and I mean, right now they're the two seed right now. And I think they could very well be one of those top three seeds. I still think the Nuggets are going to end up, you know, rising to the top just because with Jokic and then Jamal Murray coming back from injury, I think that they're a team that is still probably going to end up being that one seed. Uh, I think they will make it up. Uh, and then with the Timberwolves, man, the Timberwolves, I know the Grizzlies played them in the playoffs a couple years ago. And honestly, if they had, had Rudy Gobert then, it would have been a much tougher series because the re the way that the Grizzlies beat the Timberwolves was offensive rebounding. And that's really not going to work when you have Rudy Gobert out there. And I feel like, you know, I'll, I'll include myself in this. I think some people uh, were too quick to call the Rudy Gobert trade uh, a bad trade. I mean, I think oh, they I was figured in it out. I was in that group too. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. Like last year, people, oh, it's the worst trade in NBA history. Now, I'm still not saying I'd give up five first round picks for Gobert, would I? but it's, I mean, hey, it's, the, but they're the number one seed in the West. So obviously it's worked out for them so far. Uh, so we'll see what happens when they get into the postseason and see. I think the biggest thing is can they play both Cat and Gobert? in a seven-game playoff series consistently, which I know that they actually, you know, gave they, – they did that in, the, in that Nuggets series last year. I think they did pretty good. But I think we have seen in the past where Gobert has gotten played off the floor at times. We have. And you're playing him with another guy who is a center. So I think that would be the biggest thing uh, to watch with them. But, uh, yeah, I, I think – I still think the Nuggets are the best team. And, honestly, another team – a team that I'm really scared of right now in the West, too, is the Clippers. It seems like they're putting it together. They're getting hot at the right time. Oh, maybe not the right time, but the way they started out post-James Harden trade to now is absolutely night and day. I'm in agreement with you. I think the Clippers are going to make a run. The Pacers are likely going to be getting the Clippers' first-round pick uh, in, in this year's draft, so that's going to be pretty interesting. So I hope they're not the best team. Kind of hope they're just more of a, you know, middle-of-the-pack-ish team, but uh, – I'm right there with you. The Clippers just handed it to the Pacers the other night, but couldn't agree more. I think the Nuggets end up taking the top seed, but just the West, the wild, wild West, we'll put it this way. But we can't rule out Memphis at any point. But Bryson, before we sign off, please tell everybody where they could find you on social media and some of the awesome content you're putting out. Yeah, for sure. You can follow me on Twitter at BrysonWright3. You can follow me on tiktok at bryson e Wright as well uh doing a lot of you know fun stuff when it comes to this grizzly team uh i do a podcast called the next gen podcast we release uh every week uh usually on thursdays we kind of change the schedule up a little bit based on how the season's going uh but usually release on thursdays on youtube with my co-host alex winton uh great show if you ever need to hear anything about the grizzlies we're going to be there win lose or draw uh even when the grizzlies were looking like they might be the worst team in the nba still dropping as much content as we are now uh so definitely check that out and yeah uh that that's really everything for me and follow bluff city media on twitter uh we're still kind of a newer media platform and stuff for memphis but growing pretty well so far and got a lot of people that work really hard. Hey, Bryson, really appreciate you coming on. Love to chat about teams outside of the Pacers. So some great exposure to Memphis uh, tonight. 
I do think the best is ahead for you guys. You got through those uh, those first 25 games, and I do think that you're on to brighter days. So uh, I look forward to uh, our teams meeting again and maybe having you back on. Oh, yeah, for sure. And maybe next time that we play the Pacers, I'll have you instead on my podcast. Ah, that sounds good to me. Looking forward to it. Everybody, please give Bryson a follow and check out his show. Great stuff. Bryson, we appreciate you. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.